So the episode that I'm going to do is finding the opposite thing within the thing that you're looking at. This is a very deep topic. Honestly, there's a lot to go into here if, if we're going to do this, but I've become aware of this truth. It's very hard for people to see this, honestly, but I've become aware of this truth that you can actually, you know, what I've become aware of is that there are no opposites necessarily. Um, and this is hard for people to understand. So what I mean by this is if all you knew were lies, you didn't know what the concept of truth or lie was and all you knew were lies. How would you know that they're lies? Right? If you only knew the concept of truth, how would you know what a lie is? How would you even know and value truth in the first place? Uh, another example is like if it's always hot, always hot, like I'm not even talking about like the degrees change a little bit throughout the, the year, but it's still very hot usually. But if it's like always hot and it's always the same temperature all the time, would you notice it? Would you get bored of it? You know, things like this. Um, if you're always happy, same thing. Would you get bored of it? Would you even notice it at a certain point? Or would it just sort of fade into the background. And what's really freaky is that you really can't know a thing itself unless you know its opposite in some way. Because, and, and it, it goes even deeper as well, which is you can actually start to see the opposite thing within the thing itself that you're looking at. But let's start with the first premise first. You can actually know. You can't actually know the thing without the understanding of the opposite first, as as well. Not not first necessarily, but as well. If you only knew what the concept of happiness was, would you value it? I don't think you would. I don't think you would value it as much. For instance, if you knew you could just push a button and you would be happy, would you value that, that happiness? Right? Like if you could push a button and you would get $10 million instantly by pushing this button with no catches, no... Um, selling of your soul or whatever you're just pushing a button 
That's all that's happening, and you're getting $10 million each time. You know, maybe at first, because you haven't gotten $10 million or whatever, it would be cool. You'd be like, oh, $10 million every time I push this button. And so you might push it a couple times. But eventually, you will reach this, You might reach this point where you're like, well, I've done this so many times, I don't value money as much anymore. In the same way, like if you're gambling, let's say, let's say you're gaming, like, gambling on a casino or whatever. And if you're always winning money when you're gambling, is it as valuable to you? Absolutely, at first, like I said. But eventually, like, after like a couple of hours or less of doing this, you're going to be like, but I'm winning so much money that, like, I don't really need to worry about this. You know, whatever. Depending, depending on how much money you win, of course. But, like, at a certain point, if you're only winning money, it's it's kind of pointless. It becomes kind of like, what am I actually doing here? Of course, the opposite stands as well. Like, if you're if you're gambling and you're... Just constantly losing and losing and losing, and you're not gaining anything at all. Period. That's. <laughs> you're not really going to want to do it. Right? But imagine, like, money being like. Um, I'm trying to think of it as similar, but. Like, imagine money being like rocks, right? You can find it anywhere. It's so plentiful that, like, everybody has $10 million or $20 million. And they get $20 million every day or whatever, right? If you lose constantly at gambling, it's not going to matter to you. But it matters to you now because you don't have that for whatever reason. Because it's not plentiful to you, which makes it more valuable to you in this way. This this goes deep, actually, because um, like happiness isn't it's, it's another similarity. If you were always happy all the time would you value that happiness you might think you would and you would for a time like for like the first couple of hours or whatever first couple of minutes first couple of days maybe even but if this kept if this was happening for like years and years you would no longer value happiness it would no longer be useful to you because you're getting it in such abundance that it's kind of pointless to you. So in, in that way of understanding this, you understand that be, the only reason why something is valuable to you is because of its opposite. Happiness is valuable to you because of the understanding of suffering. The feelings of suffering that you might have. Money is valuable to you because of the absence of money. Truth is 
valuable to you because of the lies everywhere that you might be seeing, like whatever that is. Deepness is valuable to you because of the shallowness that's everywhere. You know, practical philosophy might be valuable to you because of the impracticality of most philosophers. <laughs> right? And so, once you understand that you understand that these things are not actually opposites in the traditional senses of the word, the way I think about a lot of this is like it's like a box. If you only have one side, which is like happiness, you have a floor of a box. You have one wall of a box. But you don't have the other walls. Right? Let's take you an example. And so the box isn't complete. This box is... Um, what you call reality, what you call, what, what you could call the, uh, containment field that you can use to get what you want within reality. That's a deep topic for another episode, and perhaps even for this one, if we go deep enough. And so within this box lies many different layers and understandings within this one spectrum. Truth, lie, money, no money, suffering, happiness, whatever it is, right? And because of these so-called opposites in your life that might exist, or at least in your memory, you have an awareness of what you actually value and why. Why do you value? Why do you not value purposefulness? Why do you not value wisdom? Or why do you not value foolishness? If you do value foolishness, well, that's another episode, but you know, things like this, right? It's because you understand the opposite thing. You value it. You see its worth because of that precise opposite nature. You know, like if you're, if you grow up your entire life with lies all around you, you don't know their lies. You don't know what the word lie means. You don't know what the word truth means. And somebody comes up, uh, to you and gives you truth and shows you what the difference between truth and lie and why tr what truth is and why and things like this. You might start realizing that you've been told lies. Now you value truth. 
Now you value something that lies before you didn't necessarily value because you didn't have anything to compare it to. And so we could talk about this in the in this in the context, the greatest context in some ways, of what people call good and evil. course there's a, a deep nature of uh, understanding what evil actually is um, I've talked about that. I was talking about this with some friends of mine earlier but the basic idea is that actually what people call evil is are the things that go against their survival murder rape violence you know, whatever it is, right? But if <laughs> we'll go into that in another episode, honestly, because there's a lot to go into there. Anyways, but so the metric of good and evil, of course, I, I believe that this is kind of an overused metric, but this is an, another example of this. Why? Do you value good? Assuming you value good, assuming you know what good is. It's because you see the problems of evil. You see the problems of this, that, whatever it is. Yeah, it's kind of like... What happens, actually one of the really freaky things that happens when it comes to drugs is you can be addicted to a drug, right? Um, and you can get high constantly, but eventually what's going to end up happening is that drug is going to make you high less and less and less over time. And so you have to take more and more and more to get to that same level of high that you are used to and that you're addicted to. That's kind of the same way here, right? So, like, if you're overusing one spectrum, something is going to get you to see and and understand the other spectrum, the other end of this spectrum. It's not so. It's not a world of opposites. It's a world of spectrums: good, evil, truth, falsehood, happy, sad, whatever it is, right? Rich, poor, these are not necessarily opposites because they're the same thing in some ways. Like if, if, if you look to a poor person's life, they don't have that much money, but they have some money perhaps or very little money, maybe even no money. They're, they're dealing with a monetary situation, right? Which is either no money or very little money. But then you look to a rich person, they have, they're they also dealing with a monetary money, a monetary situation, which is usually a lot of money, right? They're both monetary situations, but they're both very different in that situation.
Um, yeah. So, <clears throat> you might be like, well, this sounds interesting. It sounds very interesting, philosophical, theoretical, whatever. But what does that matter to me? What does that matter to my life? Whatever that is, right? The answer is, I think there's a couple of answers here. The first one that comes to mind is, that a lot of people I've noticed people well, not everybody, but not people that I know personally, but I've seen this with people I've seen it with myself in the past. I've seen this with others in different ways as well, but will choose the positive or over negative and <clears throat> attempt to do this on a constant basis. Or they'll choose comfort and stay in comfort, this kind of thing, right? And one of the things that comes about when you do this, there's a couple of things that come about. One of them is that uh, what you find when you do this, what I find when I do this, is that the, I know those birds are noisy birds today, but anyways, those, the uh, Comfort might might be, might be peaceful, and, or the happiness or whatever might be nice, but eventually, over time of doing this, it, your happiness lessens, your comfort lessens, or you become numb to the comfort, you become numb to the happiness because it's so common in this kind of state. Assuming you can keep it going for that long, but. You might have something similar would happen when you're in sadness. If you have sadness for long periods of time, you become kind of numb to it. It becomes a state of mind and this kind of thing. Um, and so, the opposite thing helps you to become more aware of the thing that you're looking at, right? So to give you an example of this, another example, imagine what would it be like to have no space, no space at all, um, <clears throat> meaning that you would have, like you would have your room, right? But in your room, you wouldn't have any air, you wouldn't have any space between the different objects in your room, your couch, your chair, your bed, whatever it is you have in there. Or your office, to give an ex another example, right? You wouldn't be able to do anything useful right there. It'd be impossible. Not, any, not only would there be no very little space, there'd be absolutely no space at all. From floor to ceiling, there'd be boxes or building materials or whatever it is, right? Um, and so because of the space in your room... It allows things to be, like your chair, your bed, your couch, whatever it is. And that's kind of where we are in the world. Um, and so 
this is kind of like why understanding opposites is so useful, so important, honestly. So that's the first reason you can start to realize that because of the so-called opposites, they're not opposites, by the way, they're just a spectrum, but because of these so-called opposites, you you get to value what you have. You get to value things, period. Um, You get to experience them, period. Right? This is actually more useful than you realize. The other el- there's other elements of this as well that have to do with becoming aware of the thing itself. Right? We can go into many different uh, reasons why becoming aware of this is so useful. Right? The most important to you probably in your life would be the first one. Noticing that without opposites, you couldn't know anything, you couldn't value anything, things like this. Um, The... other end of this, the, the, the more complex part of this is finding the, the opposite of the thing that you're looking at within the thing itself. Finding truth within lies. Finding lies within truth. This is kind, kind of complicated, but what is a lie? Like if you look up the definition of a lie, right? What is it? Well, when you look into it deeply enough, you realize that this definition of the lie is what's true. It's true that lies are lies. But what is a lie, right? Um, what definite, What defines what makes somebody a liar? Is somebody a liar if they say something? They're mistaken about what they're saying, but they don't realize they're mistaken about what they're saying. Right? Does that make them a liar? Or does it just make them somebody who doesn't know the thing that they think they know. Maybe they're overconfident, but they're not lying necessarily, right? Um, another end of the, another part of this as well is that you can look at like a bunch of lies and you, you can look at them and you can think that they're truth and then you look deeply into them and you realize that they're lies. Um, and by doing that, you realize that the thing itself contains its opposite. Let's its opposite be what it really is. So truth. How do you find lies within truth? Well, a lot of things that people say are true, if you look deep enough, are actually lies. They're not actually true. They're incorrect. Correct, incorrect, whatever. It may not be lies necessarily. So truth versus <clears throat> untruth falsehood, whatever. Um, And so in this way, lies are contained within the idea of truth. Right? Um, And we can go into deep deep examples of this, like, good and evil, to me, is, is very interesting because a lot of this, a lot of the ideas about good and evil have more to do with your survival than anything else, right? What do you think is good, right? Helping people, 
people doing something good for you, whatever that is. Uh, things like this. Things that keep you alive, things that help you to thrive in some way, if somebody does them for you, whatever it is, right? Uh, you know, what does doing good mean? You know, giving a nice compliment, having having uh, get done something nice for somebody, you know, because maybe you expect it back or whatever. So what is evil? Evil is, you know, to, like, total destruction, like, destruction for destruction's sake or whatever, right? And so evil is about survival. Um, what you call evil what is what goes against your survival, right? This is why people call terrorists evil. Not because they are necessarily, but because they go against your survival if terrorism happens to you. But if you're in a country that has terrorism... You might see it differently. You might see that America is evil because America is going against your survival of your religion or your way of life or whatever it is, right? <clears throat> and so they do what they might consider to be good to deal with the evil, right? This is something that most people miss when it comes to this good-evil duality. It's not about actual good versus actual evil. It's usually about survival. And so when somebody tells you that something is good and moral and right and you should do it, it has more to do with their survival than it does. It actually has to do with actual morality and right and wrong. Um, and so... If you look to good and evil, you can see evil and good and good and evil, right? So, to give, give, give you an interesting example, what happens if you, let's say you, you are, you have a partner, right? And this partner gets in an accident or whatever. And so you take care of this person, you take care of you, you do all these things for him. But then months and months go by, and this person doesn't go back get, get get better because you haven't let him uh, get his muscles working all on his own. His muscles are not atrophied. Um, when you, you originally you had good intentions and you did what people would consider to be good, but it ended up creating what to this person might be what you could call evil action. You're going back to the survival basis of the words good and evil, right? <clears throat> and so, good is now evil in this situation, right? Right. Um, so, what about evil doing? What about evil being? Uh, what about good being seen in evil? Right. So, people say that killing is bad, or whatever it is right. Whatever this they say is bad. So, what if you? kill to defend another is that bad is that wrong is that evil right um i guess it depends on your survival like if you love the person that you killed or if they love the person that you killed they call you evil but if you are the person being saved by the person by that by, by you or if they're, if they're the person being saved by you they call it good See what I mean? Good and evil, evil and good. It's kind of like the yin-yang symbol, right? 
Um, I haven't really seen the same symbol, so I'm just guessing. This is something I've heard, heard people say. That the yin-yang symbol within each of the uh, spears, the yang and yang, contains a little bit of each. Um, like the yang contains a little bit of yang, and the yang contains a little bit of yang. And so this is an example of how this would look. Um, and there's many examples that we can give of this as we get deep into this episode. Um, and no, honestly, it's it's something where you could probably sit there. Hold on a second. Go. You could probably you could probably sit right and and you could probably contemplate this understanding of opposites and and the the points that I've been making in these episodes and more and more and you could be contemplating this for years and years and years you can and you'd you barely be scratching the surface of this information. So. The <clears throat> next kind of reason is balance. So, if you spend all your time with noise, with your phone going, this kind of thing, you actually become less aware of what's actually going on around you. You actually become less aware of actually, like, what your mind is doing because what your body is doing, what your emotions are doing because <laughs> the sameness of the phone uh, makes you it, because the phone is you know constantly going, you, you have constant distractions. The distractions just numb you to the the distractions themselves. They're not necessarily doing anything for you. Um, and so you are imbalanced if you're doing if you're doing this. <laughs> but if you decided to do something radical, which is just spend thirty minutes or more, which depends on your lifestyle. Honestly, like you you might want to do this later or earlier. But you spend thirty minutes or more on silence, or you could do. Uh, chunks of it during the day, like 15 minutes here, 15 minutes here, this kind of thing. Um, and the point of doing that is that it helps your mind come back to a normal state of mind, a, a, a normal state. You're now more aware, you're, you're able to focus more, there's a lot more. Because if you just have the phone going constantly, with games and noises or whatever this whatever it is that's going on with it, um, you're going to be distracted and numb. But but that's all you're going to be. You're not really going to be able to be balanced in anything. Um, <clears throat> and so, being in silence for thirty minutes 
you don't really have to do a whole lot in that silence. Just just be with the silence. Just be in the silence with yourself. And things will happen. Your mind will 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 probably be thinking thoughts. Your your body will be doing things. Your emotions will be going perhaps. Um, but you might find that when you're done with this 30 minutes of silence that you're actually happier than you were if you were to just get stuck in another game and another game and another or get stuck in a television show and, and or another television show or whatever it is. Um, you know, the like if once once you get off work, for instance, like if you work, most what, what most people do at that, at that point is they go home, and they zone out and they watch television. They watch hours and hours of television. Um, because it numbs you, it it doesn't make you aware. But what if you did something radical instead? That which is to spend. At least one of those hours in silence. If you do this for like, you know, the first couple of minutes, you might get antsy because it's like, I don't want to do this on my phone. I want to do that on my phone. Um, and it, it just doesn't have to be truly extremely radical with the silence like you could be in a couple of minutes of silence and then get your phone and look at something for like a minute and then turn it off and uh, put it down and spend another couple of minutes in silence if that's you know if it's too difficult to do a pure 30 minute silent uh, moment um, I've done that sometimes if I want to look at something but Usually, if I do that, I don't. I make sure that I'm not doing this for more than like a minute at a time. Um, because otherwise, what ends up happening is you could spend ten minutes, twenty minutes doing this, and you forget to be in the silent moments. Right? Um, to give an example of balance. There's many examples, I'm sure, that you could have of this. Um, you know, constantly being inside without, without being outside, this kind of stuff. You, you If you go outside one day, you, you'd be like, wow, I missed what this was like, and this kind of thing. Um, the... And I'm sure there's many different examples of this you can think of. You know, there's there are times where you, can, where you can be like in your head and very dreamy and like impractical and like romanticizing everything. But if you do that too often, you become unable to really make useful or practical decisions. But if you're too practical, too pragmatic. Uh, 
you might find yourself becoming very like heavy inside and this kind of stuff, right? There's like different levels of this you can become aware of as you're doing this. Um, if you look at all the negatives of the world, you might become cynical. You might become, you know, jaded and things like this. Right? But if you look at, if you only try to see positives, you could be deluded. You could be conned into believing things that just aren't true. This kind of thing. Um, so many examples of this that I could give you. That it's kind of crazy how easy it is to just become aware of these different light levels. Because if it wasn't before these opposite things, you wouldn't really value anything. You, you might think well, that you do, but you only do because you know the difference. You know the difference between these two things. These opposite, these these opposite things. Uh, and of course, if you only do the one thing but not the opposite thing, this isn't always true. Obviously, you know, um, between drugs and no drugs, right? You might not want to do that because. Drugs themselves can be its own set of problems, but like for things that are common sense, um, you might want to sometimes do the opposite thing to not only to get variety, but also to keep help you to become balanced in this kind of thing. And uh, whole thirty minutes of silence thing deserves it. An episode on its own, honestly, but uh, I think that's it for this episode. I, don't, I mean, I can go deeper, but there really isn't a whole lot of point. And this is a, probably a good stopping point, anyways. Um, and and uh, if you have any questions, you can find me at the specifist on Twitter, all one word. And uh, you can DM me or you can follow me on there. I do post there sometimes. And I'll talk to you on the next episode.